Hey, Rock. Hey, Hey, we are glad you guys are here. We're continuing on in our series called Parables. Now, if you guys haven't been with us so far, what we've been doing is we've been going over some of the stories that Jesus used when he was teaching. And, and one thing that we learned really early on is that one of the ways that Jesus taught was through telling stories. And those stories that he told, they're called parables. Everyone say parables. Parables are stories with a purpose. A lot of times people will say that they are they're heavenly, I mean earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And so they're just stories that are, try, are meant to, to communicate something significant. And so Jesus spoke the majority of the time in these things called parables. And what we've been doing every week of the summer is we've been looking at different parables and learning from them. Today, it's all about the cost of something, all about the cost of something. How many of you guys have ever saved up for something before in your life? Okay, yeah, hopefully some of you have. Like, even if it's little things like your parents say, hey, you want that candy? You're going to have to buy it yourself. Or, hey, you want that thing? You're going to have to buy it yourself. I can remember uh, when I was in, in college, I really wanted an iPod. Right? I mean, how many of you, it's kind of funny to think, but now, like most of us, we have phones, and on our phones, we have uh, like all of our music, or we have a subscription to all the music we can ever listen to through Spotify or Apple Music or something like that. But back when I was in college, you needed to buy an iPod, and your iPod was what you stored all your music on. And I, actually, I can remember saving up and and and. and putting all my money from paychecks together and, and Christmas money together to buy an iPod. And, and I wanted to buy the nice iPod because they had just come out with an iPod with a color screen on it. And so I really, really wanted to buy the iPod with the color screen. I was really excited because they had this game called Brick Breaker on it. And a Brick Breaker game on your iPod when it was in color, I mean, it really popped. I mean, it was like, way better than just playing in the black and white version. And so, uh, and I can remember when I got it, I walked around like I was so cool. And guess what? I don't even know where it is today. You know, and I saved up all this time, like all this time, so long to get an iPod that today I essentially count as worthless. Or, or what will happen when you get older, you'll save up all this money for so long to buy a house. And then you get a house and you're like, this is my house. I own this. Actually, I own part of it. The bank owns the rest of it, but I'm buying it back from the bank, right? And then, and then something breaks in the house, and you're like, I don't want this house anymore. Like, mom, you know, that kind of a deal, right? When you, which is what you do normally when something else would break in your house. You just call for mom or dad, and they come running and fix it, right? That's kind of what happens. Or you save up, when you're 16, you save up money, and you buy your first car. And you get in your car and you're rolling. You think you look sweet. You got the music bumping, you know, or Moana, whatever, you know, whatever you like playing. Hey, I've been staring. That's all we listen to at my house right now. All right, so that, it's Moana, or in Grace's terms, Anna. And then it's Frozen, in Grayson's terms, Anna, or Go. All right, so those are like... That's what we can listen to Anna or Anna and go. All right, that's what we can listen to. And so it doesn't matter, right? You save up all throughout your lives. You just save up money and you buy something that's important to you. And when you save up money, what you're doing is you're saving up money because you're counting the cost of something. You're counting the cost, right? 
A house is worth something to you, so you're going to save up when you're older to buy a house. A car is really important for you, so you save up your money and you buy a car. Or a Snickers bar is really important to you, so you save up your money and you buy a Snickers bar. Or that, the clothes that you want to wear, right, that your parents won't buy you because they think it's ridiculous, right, that you want that, a shirt that, that, that's that expensive or pants that are that expensive or a headband from Lululemon that's that expensive, right? You know, uh, whatever it is, right? You save up your money, and as you save up your money, you're counting the cost of it. Well, what happens in our parable today is Jesus... He is, he's challenging the crowd that's following him. He's challenging the crowd that's following him, and he says, you need to count the cost. You need to count the cost. All of you, you're following me because you're seeing miracles happen. You're seeing all these crazy things go down, but you need to count the cost of what it really means to follow me. So what Jesus does is he's challenging the crowds following him. So if you guys have your Bible, open your Bibles. To, there we go, to Luke 14. Luke 14, Luke 14 comes right after Luke 13, and it's before Luke 15. So look for there, all right? And again, what's happening is Jesus, he's going, he's been doing all these miracles, and the crowds are following him, and he's gotten a huge following. Like, like if, he were to, if you were to go on Jesus' Twitter, he'd have millions of people following him. He would have the verified check mark, right? You know, that would be his thing you would know that he was the real deal because of all the crowds following him. And, and Jesus, he gets to this moment where he kind of gets tired of all the people following him. And he turns to them and he starts telling them, he challenges them with this first, and then he tells two parables that really have the same meaning. All right, so we're going to start in verse 25 of Luke 14. And this is how 25 starts. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. So he's got a ton of people following him. And Jesus, he turns to the crowd and he says to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't, for, don't begin until you count the cost. So now he's entering into, now he's entering into this parable, right? These two parables where he's trying to tell them, count the cost. So he says, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't even afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could de defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. You see, Jesus, he goes and he tells these two stories about what it means to count the cost. He says, let's say you buy a plot of land and you want to build a house on it. He says, no one would, would do that without determining how much it'll cost to build a house. Like if you have $30 or like even $1,000, but a house is going to cost $200,000 to build, 
He's saying, you're going to start and really quickly you're going to run out of money. And then when people walk past your house and they see only a hole in the ground because you had no more money to do anything else, they're going to laugh and they'll be like, look at that dummy. You know, like, didn't he count the cost? Or he says, maybe, maybe you don't understand the housing, housing parable, but maybe you're like a fighter, you're a warrior, you like those kind of things. He says, what, kind, what king would go to war against another king? What king would get into a fight with another king? Unless he determined that his 10,000 people could beat the other king's 20,000 people. He says, if you realize that you can't win, what are you going to do? You're going to go say, my bad, that whole thing, you know, you're right. You were right, I was wrong, I can't be, you know. You would go out and you'd send someone to wave the white flag to say, hey, we're cool, I'm sorry, you know. You would not fight. And so what he's trying, what Jesus is trying to do to the crowd, he's saying, listen, you guys have not actually considered what it means to follow me. And so today, what I want us to do is I want us to discuss what the cost is of following Jesus. Because this is what Jesus is trying to communicate. Jesus is trying to show the crowd, what is, do you even know what it means to follow me? What is it going to cost you to follow me? And I came up with two costs that I think Jesus highlights in this passage about the cost of following him. The cost for all of us to follow Jesus. Cost number one is this, that we must love him more than everything. Everything, everything. I don't think that's what he's saying. Listen, when he goes and he starts telling the story or he starts talking to the crowd and he, before the story, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else. And then he says, you must hate your father. You must hate your mother. You must hate your wife and children. You must hate your brothers and sisters. Now, some of you don't have a problem hating your brother or hating your sister, right? But some of you, you go, you, Jesus wants me to hate my mom and dad? Jesus wants me to hate, like, my future wife and my kids? That seems kind of weird. Like, Jesus seemed loving, you know? Like, Jesus seemed like a nice guy. That's kind of weird for him to say, hate everyone. Here's what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus says. Does he really mean hate everyone? No, no, no. He doesn't really mean you need to hate everyone. But what he's trying to communicate is this. Your love for Jesus needs to be so big. Your love for Jesus needs to be so big that compared to everything else, the other things that you love, like your mom, your dad, your siblings, your future spouse, your future kids, he says, you must love Jesus so much that comparison, the other things that you love should look like hate. Does that make sense? Your love for Jesus is so big that all the other things that you love should look like hate. So your love for those other things should be so small compared to your love for Jesus. So should you hate your parents? Should you hate your siblings? Should you hate anyone else? The answer is no. Everyone say no. No. Okay, so when I get an email saying, Dear Rick, today... Carson came home. Today, Matthew came home. Today, Ainsley came home, right, and said, you, Jesus should said to her that she should hate me, right? What the heck? You know, that kind of deal, right? I'm going to say, no, they misunderstood, okay? They're liars. You should ground them, all right? That's what I'm going to say. 
But no, okay, so should you hate your mom and your dad, your brothers and sisters? No! That was not good enough, all right? Six of you said no. I want 100% participation. Should you hate your mom and dad, your brothers and sisters? Yeah! <laughs> no, that's right. But, shh, in comparison to your love for Jesus, it should look like hate. Does that make sense? Your love for, your, for everything else in your life should be so small compared to how much you love Jesus. So the question becomes, how much do you love Jesus? Do you really love him that much that people go, man, the way you act towards Jesus is amazing. Why is it so different than the way you act towards the other people in your life? Because I need to love him more than anything else. I need to love him more than anything else. When I was growing up, I had lots of toys that I loved. Like, I had tons of toys that I absolutely loved. But one of the things I, I had growing up was a Ghostbusters backpack. And it was like the Ghostbusters proton pack thing that they would use to catch the ghosts. And I had this belt that went along with it. And on the belt, I was able to, like, put different toys in that the Ghostbusters pack came. And one of the toys was, like, the trap that they caught the ghosts in. And I would go around and I would pretend like I was, I was busting ghosts, right? And I would throw the trap and I would step on it. It would, like, open up. And I would, like, walk around thinking I was so cool. And I can remember, I can remember when when that toy broke and I couldn't use it anymore. Like, I was devastated. And it wasn't just like a little break, like the, the main pistol gun thingy. I don't know what you... The main thing that they would sh shoot the ghost with, like, broke in half. So it wasn't like it was fixable. I think I chirped on the step and I broke it, kind of a deal. Like, I was like, ah! You know, that kind of a deal. And so I can remember being like, just, just absolutely like dumbfounded. Like I could not, it was like, I can't, literally can't even wasn't a thing back then, but like I literally could not even, you know, like that kind of a deal. When it was broken, my, I remember my dad coming to me and like being like, but you have this toy. And I was like, no, it's not the same, right? Or my dad came and he was like, you have these toys. I was like, no, they're not cool, you know. Why? Because like my love for that one toy was way greater than all my love for all the other toys that I had. Like, we need to view Jesus that way. He needs to be the greatest love more than anything else that we have. So he needs to be greater than our love for entertainment, like movies or TV shows or music or friends or sports or video games, or social media or phones, school, whatever it is. I know, school, I know. People, you've forgotten what school is. It's this place you go to during the day and you learn things, okay? But... Here's the thing, shh, shh, shh. like his, your love for him needs to be greater than anything else. So what do you love most? Like what are the things in your life that you love most? Is Jesus the greatest thing you love? Because if not, then you haven't fully counted the cost of following Jesus. He turns to the crowd and says, you need to love me more than everything. More than everything. The second cost that he tells them is he says that you need to identify your life with me. And so the cost that you need to understand, cost number two is this, you need to identify with him. 
identify with him. Yes, because in, in, in Luke 14, he says, listen, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I have to carry a cross every single day and follow Jesus? Like, I don't even know where to get a cross. They sell those at Home Depot, you know, Target, I don't know. No, okay, so he's not saying you have to carry a literal cross. He's not, he's, he's speaking figuratively in the same way he's saying, not saying you have to hate your mom and your dad literally. But what he's saying is that every day when you wake up, what do you need to do? You need to identify your life with him. In other words, you need to surrender to God's plans, God's desires, God's God's actions, right, for your life. Your life needs to look like Jesus' life. And what needs to happen is people need to look at you and they need to think of Jesus. Why? Because you identify with him, right? When people think of Jesus, what's the main thing they think of? I would, I would venture to say that the main thing people think of when they think of Jesus is the cross. Like, and when people see a cross, my guess is what they see or think of is Jesus. And so what Jesus is saying is you need to take on this thing that people look at and think of me, and they need to look at you and think of him. Like, that's what Jesus is trying to say. You need to identify every single day with him. You need to take on his character traits. You need to take on his heart. You need to take on his mind. And every day you need to come before Jesus and say, God, whatever it is you want to do in me and through me, I'm down for it. It might be hard. It might be difficult. It uh, It might be the unpopular thing to do. It might not be the best thing for my for my video games or for my sports, for my grades or whatever it is, right? But I, ca- I love you more than anything else, so I'm going to identify with you. And Jesus is trying to get all the followers to say, you need to identify with me. You need to identify with me in the good things, but also in the bad things. Like when Jesus was suffering. Like when Jesus had to go and die on the cross. And when he surrendered to God's will for his life, he says, you need to identify with me daily. So every morning when you get up out of bed, you carry your cross and you say, God, I surrender to you and to what you want to do with my life. You need to identify with him. When I was a soccer, when I was growing up, I played soccer. Soccer was my favorite sport growing up. And so um, the Detroit used to have this professional soccer team, and uh, they're not around anymore. And I know Detroit's going to get an MLS team, and they have the Detroit FC and all this stuff. Back then, they just had like a really not very good pro football team or uh, soccer team called, they had a bunch of different names, but like one of them, I think the last name they had before they were done was Detroit Neon, which was lame, but uh, they had this pretty kind of famous player in like the minor league pro team called Drago, like which is a pretty sweet name, right? Like what's your name? Drago, you know, like that. Be like, hi, I'm Rick. You know, that kind of a deal, right? But he, he was like the man. He was so good. He was bald. Like, he just looked cool, right? He, everywhere, he, every time, everywhere he walked, he walked with like this cool strut with him, you know? And his signature was super awesome. It was like this really big, 
D and then like R-A-G-O, you know, and then the G turned into like his number sign and they put his number for his jersey. And I was like, that's even the cool signature. What does your signature look like, Rick? R. I with a heart on it, you know, like that kind of lame, you know, that kind of a deal, right? And so I just remember being like, I want to be like that guy, you know, like I want to be short, no hair, you know, that kind of a deal. Like I want to be a good soccer player. And, and I actually remember like I want, I asked my mom, can I buzz my head so I can play like Drago, you know, she was like, no, you know, because you can't play like him, you know, so, but I just remember like I wanted people to look at me and be like, Rick plays soccer like Drago. So I can remember like doing that, and, like watching him play soccer and like studying how he, you know, he, like went up and he was, he was carrying the ball, how, much, how he shot it, right, how he played defense, all these things. I remember like wanting to be identified with him. So I would, I would act like him and I would do the same things, right? Pete, guys did this when I, was, when I was growing up. Guys did this with basketball, but they would act like Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan, one of his like signature moves when he would play basketball, when he would drive to the basket, he would stick out his tongue. And so all the guys I played basketball with, when they would drive to the basket, they would stick out their tongue. I'm like, it doesn't make you more aerodynamic, you know? Like it doesn't do anything. It just makes you almost lick me, you know, that kind of a deal. Like stop it. And so like, right? And we do that even today. Guys probably don't imitate Michael Jordan as much, but they'll imitate Steph Curry, or they'll imitate LeBron James, or people will play football, and you'll imitate your favorite athlete in football, or whatever sport it is, right? You do whatever it is. You imitate. Why? Because you want people to think of you or think of the athlete when they look at you. Well, it's easy when we talk about it with sports, but for some reason when we talk about it, when it comes to Jesus, it's more difficult. But when people look at you, they need to think of Jesus. When people look at you, you should be acting so much like him because you're surrendering every day to be more like him that you are identifying with him. So what do people think of when they look at your life? What do people think of when they look at your life? My hope is that when people look at the rock as a whole, and they look at each individual one of you, each of us, they think of Jesus. And this is why Jesus tells a story of this guy building a house. And this is why Jesus tells a story of this king going into battle. He says, you need to count the cost like these guys. You need to count the cost like these guys. You need to make sure that if you really want to follow me, Jesus is saying, if you really want to follow me, you need to count the cost. Don't just go and start building a house saying, I'm all in, and not count the cost. Don't go to war and, and just say, I'm all in, without counting the cost. You need to make sure that you've really counted the cost. So, the cost is, are you willing to love him above everything else? And are you willing to, every single day, identify with him? Have you counted the cost? My hope is that The Rock would be a group of people who have counted the cost. But this is what I really want you guys to remember. This is what I want to challenge you guys with today. And this is what we're just going to say that the thought for the week is. The thought for the week is this, that following Jesus should cost you something. Following Jesus should cost you something. It should cost you a love for something. 
it should maybe cost you a friendship, or it should cost you not watching a certain TV show or watching a certain movie or playing certain video games or whatever it is. Following Jesus should cost you something. It should be surrendering your own will to support and to live out the will of Jesus. That's a cost. For me, when I first started following Jesus when I was a senior in high school, it cost me some of my friends because I didn't want to live the same way I was living and those guys were living. So what I did is I took a step back and it cost me some friends. I didn't always watch the movies that were the cool movies to watch because I wanted to grow in my faith and knew those things wouldn't help me. And guess what? Even I went to college to do something for a living. I was going to go be in the business world. And then when I realized that Jesus was calling me to do something else, it cost me a career in something else so that I could become a pastor and hang out with you guys. So it's going to cost you guys something. It's going to cost you guys something. Following Jesus should cost you. If it hasn't cost you anything, maybe you need to ask yourself, have I truly counted the cost of following Jesus? I pray that we'd be a group who would be excited and willing to lay down things for Jesus because of who he is and what he's done. I'm going to pray for us, then we'll be done. But when I'm done praying, here's the deal. I'm going to give you guys instructions before we go out to watch the movie, okay? But let's pray first, then I'll give you guys some instructions. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, giving us just this really cool story in the Bible of this guy who is building a house and this king who is going into battle that really just simply illustrate what it means to follow you and this challenge that Jesus gave to count the cost. And God, I pray that every single one of us here today, we will count the cost of following you. We would understand that one cost of following you is that we need to love you more than anything. And in comparison, everything else that we love would almost, it would look like hate. Our love for other things would be so small compared to our love for you. And God, I pray that every single day we would all be in the habit of rolling out of bed and surrendering our lives to you, surrendering to your will. And we just get in the habit of saying, God, do with me whatever you want today. God, help us to be a group here of students who are willing to sacrifice anything for you. And we let the cost of following you be nothing compared to knowing you, God, because we know that there's nothing in value that compares to knowing you. And so, God, help, it, help us to all have our relationship with you cost us something and help us to be transformed because of our relationship with you. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for the awesome parables that you lay out for us in your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.